Welcome. You're listening to the Camino Church Podcast. This is Lessons with Pastor Steve Sellers. Twice a week, our host will dive deep into Scripture, giving you a convenient way to stay in the Word of God. Whether you're driving to work in the morning or cooking dinner at night, we're glad you're here and we're glad you're listening. Let's get started. Hey, folks. Welcome back and thanks for joining us again for some more time in the Word of the Camino Church Podcast. We are right in the beginnings of 1 John, and we're going to keep moving on today. John, 1 John 1, chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Let me remind you of a couple things as we think back. Um, in verse 1, John said that what he is declaring, or what they as a community are declaring, was from the beginning. And that's an interesting and important statement. It reflects John 1, 1, which we've already talked about. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But I think John's also saying something else. John's saying, I am not introducing some new thought, new revelation, or new uh, innovation. I am talking about the truth that has always been there. And if he's writing against the Gnostics, as we think, they are coming up with new and novel doctrines. And John is trying to say that is not what we're talking about. That is not what we believe here. So keep that in mind. And let me read this from St. Bede, who was an English Benedictine monk. I talked about we would go back to some of the early voices. Uh, St. Bede is living in the late 600 to the early 700s. And he says this, which I think is an interesting theological thought, especially since we talked about one of the themes being faith and obedience combined together is truth. Uh, St. Bede says this, The mere confession of one's faith is not enough for salvation if there is no sign of good works confirming that faith. But at the same time, the goodness of the works is of no value either if they are not done in the simplicity of faith and love. Anyone who is in any way surrounded by darkness is totally unable to have fellowship with the one, that would be God, in whom there is no sign of wickedness at all. It's a very powerful statement and simply said, if you believe, you got to live it. You can't just believe or have faith. And if you're doing good works and they're not driven by your faith, they have no value either. That really fits in uh, with James, James's letter in the New Testament, where he says that faith without works is dead. That faith will not save you. So clearly, one of the things that they're wrestling with here in the first century is um, an opposite push against what the Jews were doing in the Old Testament, which was living by works. Their salvation was by works and good deeds, that balance of good versus evil deeds in their life, when you have the apostles coming along, they're saying, no, it's by faith, and now you've got the pendulum swinging to the other side, and what John here and James are doing is having to say, let's bring the, the pendulum back to where it belongs, let's swing it back so that there's a balance, and I think that's very important for us to, under, to understand. So let's start with verse 5, and let's keep moving on. Uh, we'll read through the end of chapter 1, and then we'll talk about a little bit more. So 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, 
and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we, do, we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So as you can hear in this, there's two themes that come up pretty quickly. One is God is light, and then there's this other theme of this sin, and we see the word sin used multiple times. And it may be a little bit confusing, so we're going to try to break that down just a little bit for you. But the first thing he says, John does in this section of his writing, is that, that uh, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. This is what they have heard from Jesus himself. Remember? At the very beginning of our studies in 1 John, that John, the author, makes it very clear that he is speaking directly from his, his interactions, his touching, we said, that intimacy, that someone leading the blind. Uh, from that perspective, he is writing this message. And that message in verse 5 is, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Why would John be writing about God is light? And what does he mean by that? Well, he's probably writing against the Gnostics' belief of light and darkness. Uh, they uh, centered their belief of light and darkness on knowledge and the lack of knowledge. So if you had their special knowledge, you were walking in the light. If you did not have their special knowledge, you were walking in darkness. And John is saying, that's not it. If you're walking in light, you're walking in fellowship with God, so says verse 6. And if you're walking in darkness, then you are living a life without God. So he is redefining that light and that darkness. Darkness is no fellowship. Um, it is uh, the lack of eternal life. It is our inability to see the truth. But if we walk with God, if we have fellowship with God, then we are in the light, and that light is, we're going to find out, that light and truth are God's will and God's plan for the future. So then he says, he goes on to say, if we say we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true and you know, really, what I think John is saying is, so when the Gnostics say that they have fellowship with him while they're walking in darkness, they're lying. They do not know what is true. And, and John is saying we to the people while we do it. Again, he's being inclusive of the community. But also, we're going to find out as we continue to read that these Gnostics just aren't people who have tried to push their way into the church, they're not external to the church, they came out of this community of believers. So they didn't just decide to believe Gnosticism one day as opposed to Christianity. They were part of this new 
Christian faith, part of the church, and then their beliefs begin to change. And as their beliefs begin to change, they begin to walk in darkness. As they begin to walk in darkness, they begin to speak lies. And as they begin to speak lies, then they begin to leave the truth and the light of God. And so now they're walking on their own. They don't have fellowship with God because their beliefs and their behavior behaviors do not match what God has taught us. So that's what, what I think John's trying to say here. He, he's being nice. And I think it's important to know that, that there's, this is not a letter filled with animosity, right? If you want to read a letter that's filled with animosity, someone's upset, go read some of Paul's writings. Go read Galatians. Boy, Paul is, is just ticked off in, in Galatians. Uh, and he has a harsh word for the people. John is choosing to take a more... Um, a more pleasant approach. He's not going to get upset at the people because quite honestly, it's not that difficult to have your beliefs kind of go askew. Uh, I call it the 1% rule. And I don't know how many of you uh, play sports, but I play golf every once in a while. Uh, and I play at it more than anything. I'm not good at it by any stretch, but I enjoy, enjoy the game itself. Um, but the most important part of golf is the night is where the club head is nine inches before you hit the ball and nine inches afterwards. Because if it is squared up and where you want it to be, your ball's going to go straight. But if it is slightly off nine inches before and or nine inches after, then it's going to be slightly off your target. So let's say it's just ever so slightly off by one degree. That's it, just one degree. Well, then your ball's going to look really straight coming off the tee. But as it continues its flight, because it's off one degree and that movement is cumulative, then one degree becomes 10 degrees and 10 degrees becomes 20 and 50 and 100. And then it becomes my golf shot where it's just in the woods or in the water or something like that. But once you're off by a slight amount, if you continue to follow that path, you get off more and more from the target. And that's what's happening to the people in the Johannine community. Their beliefs have changed a little bit, and because of that, they're changing more and more. And so John's not going to beat them up. He's not going to be ugly about it, but he is going to work hard to correct them and get them back on the right path. In verse 8, he brings this back again. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And that may be a little bit, sound a little bit odd, because how can you say you have no sin at all, right? You've got to have some sin in your life. And, and, and the reason I think it sounds odd is John, in about two verses, is going to come back with a different statement about sin that's going to seem to be contradictory. So let's move forward and see if we can find that. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So John is really nailing down this. If we think we're going to walk around and, and profess that there's no sin in our life, then we are not at all in the will of God. We are in the darkness and we are lying. And the reason that he's discussing this again, if you recall, is that these Gnostics uh, have a belief in the separation of flesh and spirit. 
We mentioned this last time that they believe they can do anything they want to in the flesh, and it does not impact their spirit. And John is very clear that your faith is a combination of your, your belief and your actions. The flesh and the spirit cannot be separated. The Holy Spirit dwells within us, connecting with our spirit so that we can lead obedient lives. And when we do that, then we are walking in the light. Uh, but do not listen to the deception of the Gnostics who say that they don't sin because everybody sins. Now, again, in chapter 2, we're going to hear something a little bit different, and, and we'll touch on it when we get there. But notice how much time and effort John is putting into this specific point. It's critically important to him. And, and just in case you don't quite understand what's going on, in this community, if this is Ephesus, uh, go to Revelation chapter 2. After, after this podcast is over, go to Revelation chapter 2 and read verses 1 through 7. This is the, the uh, letter to the angel of Ephesus church. And listen to what Jesus is communicating to them because it sounds exactly like what's going on in 1 John. You're going to hear in Revelation that the Ephesian church, at church at Ephesus, is dealing with false prophets and apostles. And this is exactly what John is talking about. So that, that goes back to the very, one of the very first things we talked about is that it lends credibility to that this is probably an audience in Ephesus. So not only does that sin make us liars and walk in darkness, but in verse 10, John says, not only that, if we say we have no sin, we make God a liar. Right? God has declared that sin is universal. And John is reinforcing that declaration. And if we believe in salvation, we have to assume sinfulness. So let's apply that to the Gnostics. Since they don't believe in sinfulness, they don't believe in the need of salvation. If they don't believe in the need for salvation, then they don't have to have Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, who dies and resurrects fully human and fully divine. That's just not necessary to their, to their beliefs. So it's extremely important that we understand that John is addressing that specifically. If you don't believe that sin is in your life, then you literally are declaring God to be a liar. And John's, John's basically trying to tell us that's just not possible. You can't do that to John. So then that takes us to chapter 2. And we're going to jump into chapter 2 for a few verses and see how far we can get before our allotted time is up. Uh, and we'll, we'll take this a little bit slowly because there's a lot of meat in here about Jesus Christ and, and we do need to spend some time dwelling within it. Before we jump into it, I want to read though another ancient quote uh, from Gregory of Nazensis, and he was the Archbishop of Constantinople, which today is modern-day Istanbul, Turkey. Um, Gregory was alive around 329 to 390 AD, uh, and he is uh, a key figure in the development of the church at that time. And he is speaking specifically about Jesus Christ in this summarizing kind of the theology of chapter 2. And this is a great lead into what we'll study. So, so listen to this, please. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ, who does not prostrate himself before the Father on our behalf, 
Such an idea is unworthy of the Spirit. It would also be unworthy for the Father to require this. But because Christ suffered as a man, he persuades the Father to be patient with us. That's really cool. I like that a lot, saying that Jesus doesn't have to bow down to God. He is co-equal with God. God wouldn't require it because God's nature is love. He's not going to require uh, his co-equal son to, to fall prostrate in front of him. What's really happening is Jesus is our advocate. Um, the way I like to view it is he stands beside or sits beside God and when evil makes accusations about me, Jesus is there to whisper into God's ear saying, that all may be true because Steve, like anybody else, is not a holy person, but he's one of mine. He's in my book of life. I died for him. And then the judgment changes. That's a beautiful picture of what Christ does for us. Let's see if we can pick up on some of that in in chapter 2 here, where it says, My little children, interesting term for John to use as he's writing to uh, what we would anticipate or perceive to be grown adults. But if we know uh, the culture of the time, or if you know the use of the Greek language, that my little children is a term of affection. So it would be like me writing a letter to, to a group of people and starting it out with my friends or dear friends or my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what John is saying. He's not talking down to them. It's a term of affection. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm going to read that a little slowly, and I want to see what all you pick up on. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So there should be a couple of things that could be popping into your head right now. And I said I was going to read it slowly. Please don't misunderstand. I'm reading it slowly because I believe Scripture should be read slowly. And I'm a fast talker. I'm a fast reader sometimes. But when you take time to really slowly read Scripture, dwell on it, uh, the amazing kind of uh, meditative approach of Lectio Divina, where you are meditating on the Scripture and waiting for what the Holy Spirit has to say, uh, you will learn so much more. So the first thing that popped out in my head is, is John went from the royal we to I, which I think is interesting, a very personal pronoun. I think his purpose in there is to let them know that he is the one writing these things. This is not written by someone on his behalf. Uh, like Paul would say in his writings, a couple of his writings, he says, see, I am writing this in my own handwriting to make sure that they understand that Paul was the one writing that particular part. Uh, in this case, John's being clear. He's writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And you have paused there because you remember that we just talked about how everybody sins, and now John is saying, so that you may not sin. Well, we do a little study of the Greek words there. Uh, the word uh, for sin uh, in verse 2 is harmatete, harmatete, which uh, comes from the word harmatia, uh, which is also used at the end of chapter 1, but there, but there are different usages. Uh, the Words for sin in chapter 1 
refers to individual sins, those mistakes that we make on a daily basis, right? And that we need constant forgiveness for those. That was the lesson that Jesus was giving his apostles, especially to Peter, who was pushing back as Peter would do at the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, when he washed their feet. You're going to get dirty. I got to wash your feet to keep you clean. That's not a salvation statement. That's a daily cleansing statement. And that's what John is talking about in chapter 1. But when he gets to chapter 2, he uses a different form of the word uh, harmatia. And that, ver that form is more of an implication of an ongoing lifestyle. So you may have uh, sins in your life, but you're not going to live a life that is abiding in sin and that is framed by sin, that is characterized by sin. That you cannot do. Right? Because if you have any sin, there's an advocate. We're back to the individual sins now. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And that word for advocate, paraclete, uh, the root word, paracletus. Uh, and the implication there is it's a noun, uh, and it is only found as a noun, believe it or not, in Johannine literature. And it means to be called alongside someone, to advocate. Now, you'll find Periclete in other passages, but John uses it very uniquely. And he's talking about being drawn alongside so that Jesus can walk with us and advocate on our behalf. Just like I said, he whispers into God's ear, Steve is mine. In all his sin, uh, you cannot have him... Uh, for judgment, God, not for uh, judgment uh, into eternal separation, but judge him righteous because I have included him because he is a believer. Right? In the New Testament, this word paracletus uh, is a very active word. Uh, and again, we talked about being advocate. It, it kind of means one who appears on another's behalf, one who mediates for someone else, one who intercedes, one who helps uh, and in this case, we're specifically talking about Jesus Christ interceding with the Father on behalf of sinners. Uh, some English translations actually uh, go much more of a legal approach, which it's not unusual for Pericletus to be used as a legal advocate to say, one who pleads our case or pleads our cause or one who speaks in our defense. Those are great terms, knowing that we've got someone who is advocating on our behalf, uh, even as we continue to live this uh, unconsummated, broken life that we're in. So we're going to stop right there for this time. That's enough to chew on until we come together again. We're going to keep talking about Jesus Christ here at the beginning of chapter 2 uh, and the roles that he has as defined by John. We've already talked about him being our advocate. We're going to talk about him being our sacrifice and that him being the source of our truth. Man, this is good. Time flies. I hope it does for you because this is a lot of fun. And I hope you're picking up on stuff that makes your understanding and study of Scripture even greater. So until next time, stay in the Word and let's keep this journey going. Thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning in to Lessons with Pastor Steve Sellers. Check back soon on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube for the next available episode. This series is produced by Riley Moncrief for Camino Church. To learn more about our church, like us on Facebook at Camino Church or visit us online at CaminoChurch.com. We'll see you next time.